Riverdale, Season 3, Episode 3, Chapter 38. As above, so below. When a series of suspicious roadblocks threaten to delay the opening of the speakeasy, Veronica enlists the help of Cheryl, Tony, Reggie, Kevin, and Josie to ensure opening night goes off without a hitch. Well, that's bearing the lead of what's going on this episode. <laughs> Seriously. CW, get better synopsis for your episodes. I will say that is the main plot of the episode. It really is. In terms of screen time, that is the main plot of what's going on. It is not part of the overarching plot of the season. Okay, so let's recap that recap. The parents are freaking out. Ethel's playing G&G. Then she has a seizure. Evelyn Evernever's watching. Ben killed himself. Evelyn Evernever's a creeper. Betty has a seizure. The warden starts a riot and Archie got tapped. So we start this episode at the prison. Door opens. Have you had time to think? So Archie's been in solitary for a little bit. For a week that we know of. And Archie says, nope, see you in another week. Close okay. All right, so that's going on. We head over to the trailer, and there's been some sex. Woohoo! This F- is a weird, gross scene. They're both, okay. FP and Alice are so tense and aggressive, and they're both so relaxed and chill. And I know it's post-sex, but still. Like, this is too flowery even for them. Except it's what they've always wanted, maybe. I mean... No, this Al- is the cult. This is the cult Al- doing. It's yeah, because I mean, I could see FP chilling out, like relaxing some, because he's gotten a little older, and he's been through some shit. But Alice hasn't changed a bit. But she's under the influence of the cult, and just his whole thing of glad the farm opened you up to the possibility of us. Barf. How much weed did you smoke, sir? A lot. You know they say it's been three weeks, so it's been three weeks since we last. Uh, saw the parents all together in the mayor's office. No more suicides, no more blue lips, as long as the town's concerned, just two boys taking their own lives. Hopefully it ends there. With Betty and Jughead on the case, you know that's not likely. Cut to... Bunker sex, bunker sex with Bughead. Is it bad that we're crashing in the bunker? It's kind of ghoulish. (laughs) But Jughead does have a point. It's the only place in town we can get some privacy. Because both of their parents have been watching them like hawks. But Betty points out that Ben's death has been bugging her because he didn't scream, and she doesn't understand why. And Jughead starts spitballing, doing that talking thing, and maybe it's one of the rules. That's what we're missing! There's no rule book! Blah, blah. Like, we, there have to be rules in the way that Dilton, Ben, and Ethel talked about it. It sounds like a cult, or like a religion. And every cult has its king. We go back to the prison and we're in the warden's office... And Fred is there making his plea to see his son. The warden says your son is quite the firebrand, which I, you know, is a nice little reference to the red hair. Uh, Fred's just not happy, and he just lets them know you'll be hearing from my lawyer because it's been three weeks since he's seen his son, and you'll be hearing from my lawyer. Boom. New prediction. Mary's coming back. <laughs> it's not really a prediction, just an inevitability. We go to Pops. Veronica is freaking out. Pops is hemorrhaging money. And Betty asks about the speakeasy. When is it going to open? And Veronica's being a little cagey. And Veronica says it's ready. And it's been ready for a while. But she hasn't wanted to open it because she was waiting on Archie. And Betty points out, that's not what Archie wanted. So you got you to gotta do it. Open the damn speakeasy. This is dumb but sweet. This made sense. Like, it made sense to me that Veronica, this is something that Veronica would try to hold on to. Not to mention that just the two of them feel more grounded than they have for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's also just a Betty and Veronica scene where well, they're not being catty about stupid shit. 
this is the only chance they've had for a while to, you know, actually be in the same room together. We head on over to school. Betty and Jughead are walking down the hall. Jughead's being extra snarky and eating treats. Love it. Betty points out that there's going to be a strict dress code at her speakeasy. And Jughead's just like, of course, we're calling it a speakeasy. Speaking of which. What are you getting at? Uh, he says, what are you getting at with the clothing? Because he's like, what? And he's wearing his S shirt. You know, Jughead doesn't. Isn't the uh, I'm going to get dressed up fancy guy. No. They see Ethel. Oh, she's talking to that creepy girl from the farm. <gasps> oh, my God. The game's connected to the farm. <laughs> yeah. So they're going around and around and around about this. And they decide, okay, who should we talk to first? Evelyn or Ethel? Well, the last time we talked to Ethel, she had a seizure. We'll be more gentle this time. Evelyn creeps me out. Understatement of the century. Okay, so now we go back to Pops, but this time we're with Kevin and Josie. And they see Pop, and Pop is like, okay, you go this way, and you dial 642. So they go into a phone booth, and Kevin's dialing, and they're like, password, I don't know, Stonewall. (laughs) Slot slides open, close enough. Close enough. And even Josie laughed at the Stonewall comment. And so we see them together. Everyone is dressed like they're in a comic book. Kevin, Josie, Reggie, they all look like they're comic book characters with the clothing. It's very 60s, a little bit 70s in there. I love it. Oh, I do too. They still look like they could wear it now and pull oh, it off. Oh, that's the whole point. That's the point. Even yeah. And Veronica, when she's wearing the yellow top with the black skirt, that is purely comic. I've seen that outfit in a comic book. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Welcome to the Bonne Nuit, which means the good night or the beautiful night. And as soon as Kevin Keller walks in. I died and went to Cannon of Heaven. That's, that's probably his gayest reference ever. It is. Oh, oh cabaret. And it's also funny for inside Casey Kai and his family's uh, Broadway roots. Yeah. The speakeasy is beautiful. It's very art deco. Gorgeous. And in a tasteful instead of ridiculous way. It's not over the top, which is cool. I do like, because I didn't catch this on my first my first round that she's hired some of the serpents from the white worm to serve drinks mocktails only because we are not going to corrupt the teenagers of okay Riverdale. so i'm really glad that they added that in there because this being an actual place that serves liquor what is was too far-fetched for any universe we get veronica asking josie to be her resident chanteuse which please stop with the fucking french crap Okay. Like, well, just stop it. It's fair, obnoxious. but this is one of the best ideas they've ever had on this show. Yeah. And Josie says that she's been trying to find her sound now that she's solo and she hasn't had anywhere to test it out. So I guess the Pussycats are done. Like, I haven't seen anything official, but I see no reason for them to bring the Pussycats back. No, not at this point. I do see them doing the Archies later on, which would be adorable. Oh, of course they're going to do would the make Archies. Sense. Veronica asks Kevin to be her MC, to which he says, sure, so long as I can sing every now and then. Yay, we're going to get more singing from Kevin. I want one song an episode, like, honestly. I, w- I would take one song an episode from Kevin. From Kevin. Well, from Josie or Kevin. Not together. They need, I'm just waiting. It's going to happen. They're going to do cabaret. It's going to happen. He's going to be the MC. He's, oh. She's going to be Sally Bowles. It's going to be great. Of course they I'm are. looking forward to that. Reggie gets phone call from Pops and... They got to go upstairs. So they go upstairs to Pops, and it's Penny Peabody. And she's there for the ghoulies to offer their services for a modest price. <laughs> and Veronica's just like, oh, yeah, for protection from you. What would he do? I'd hate for something bad to happen. And Penny Peabody speaks 
our title. She's just like, this is a nice place you've got here. And as above, so below, I'm guessing. I'm maybe even nicer down there in the speakeasy. So, Betty Peabody leaves. And says, I'll let you think about it. I'm cut on over to Archie. He's sleeping. The guards say we're going for a ride and they put a shroud over his head. Welcome to the pit. And we are in a natatorium with a drained pool. And there's a fight going on with Joaquin and some other guy. And the warden is basically telling Archie, I knew he was your friend and I needed a replacement for Mad Dog since you said no. So you get to decide whether or not this ends with him asleep and safe or in the infirmary on life support. So, so Ar- Archie volunteers this tribute. I'll do it. I'll take his place. Riverdale. So we go to the prison gym, and Archie comes out, and he gets greeted by the rest of the team. Name's Baby Teeth. I may not look like much, but I leave a mark. That's Thumper and Peter. Barf. (laughs) Just Peter. There's generic guy. Yeah. So Baby Teeth tells Archie what the deal is. Bare knuckles till knockout. Warden sells tickets. Guard place bets. Everyone profits, but if we win, we get perks. Archie asks where it happened to Mad Dog. Betty says, you're asking too many questions. So we don't know what happened to Mad Dog for sure. We head on over to the doghouse. Hey! Hey! Got Cheryl and Tony sharing a seat. And Veronica heads over says, President Blossom. First Lady Topaz. Just the people I was looking for. (laughs) I do like First Lady Topaz. It's precious. So she's asked them to spread the word of the speakeasy. If they attend, I'll offer you no cover and free drinks all night. And Cheryl's looking at the invitation. She's like, mm, nice, a heavy card stock and valet parking. And Veronica, I did like this line. You don't take the subway to the Met Gala. The references are getting better. They're getting more appropriate. Yes. And cheeky as opposed to just flat out stupid like TGI Thursdays. They finally figured out how to write for Camilla. No, I don't know about that. We're only three episodes in. I let's, let's, I mean, we, you're forgetting the Innocence Project bullshit. I know, but... Give her credit, she's doing as much as she can with it. it. It's fine. It's not as cringeworthy as it has been. Oh, yeah. We head on over to the chem lab where Ethel is eating. Ew, you don't eat in the chem lab. You don't. I mean, she's... Because Ethel is sad. Sad Ethel. So Jughead and Betty come to interrogate Ethel. But very sweetly They're... and quietly. They try. We find out that Ethel's been put on medication. Betty and Jughead try to reassure her we're just trying to help. And Ethel's like, oh, like you were trying to help my boyfriend Ben before he jumped out a window. And Betty starts asking questions. Did you see any visions? Ethel says no. How long have you been friends with Evelyn Evernever? Oh, she's the best. And she's trying to get her off her meds. And Betty's like, was that your idea or her dad's? Wait, have you met Mr. Evernever? Like, she gets really intense. And Ethel's like, um, if you're so curious, Betty, why don't you check out Evelyn's peer support group? Principal Weatherby gave her permission to start a student chapter of the farm. Ugh, Principal Weatherby is the worst. He is the worst. Why are the adults horrible? He can't see a cult when it's staring him in the face. Mm-hmm. Come on, Principal Weatherby. So the bell rings and Jughead's like, okay, before. Ben, he mentioned reuniting with Dilton in the kingdom. Do you know what that means? And Ethel's being really caged. He's like, look, two people have died playing griffins and gargoyles. To which she quickly corrects him to G and G. (laughs) Which, okay, this is stupid of me, but I did not put together D and D, G and G. Like, I knew that's what they were referencing, but the D and D thing, I just didn't hit until it was said for sure. Sorry. You're pretty. I connect so many fucking dots. Sometimes <laughs> they get left out. Okay. 
Leave me alone. Jughead's like, do you have a rule book or a prayer manual? You mean the scripture? Yes, that. Do you have a copy? <laughs> I like how excited he gets. He's like, please, please press this ethylene. Don't call me that. <laughs> you haven't earned that. Which is fair in her twisted world. In her in her twisted fucked up world. But Jughead gets very, please, I want I, I want that. I want that. Please, come on. Can you show me? And Ethel. See, and this is where, right, about Ethel having that bitchy strain inside of her. Meet me tomorrow night at Dilton's Bunker. But just you. Sorry, Betty. You'll never be worthy, no matter how hard you try. And Betty's reaction is like, well, fuck me then. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. As soon as she leaves, Betty just kind of smiles and goes, okay then. (laughs) Guess you're on Ethel Mug's detail, and I am in need of serious peer support. Okay, so now we go back to the speakeasy, and we have Beefcake Reginald. Thank you, Reginald. Yes. Uh, okay, so Reggie has taken off his shirt, and he is bringing out boxes for deliveries. They open him up. What the hell? That is a serious dash of jingle jangle. Yeah, but it's not mine. I don't know. And the phone starts ringing. Hey, Pop, what's up? Oh, Sheriff Minetta's upstairs. Veronica's like, we have been set up. We have to get rid of this stuff. And Reggie goes, my mom will kill me, which I love. It's so <laughs> great. We, we met Reggie's mom once. About the whole jingle jangle thing. And she's like, you have a dealer? So I love that Reggie's first response is, my mom will kill me. (laughs) It's so cute. That's such a great teenager moment. I want more of those. Veronica heads upstairs. It's Sheriff Mineta. He's there to do an inspection. All my inspections are already complete. Except mine. So they 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 go back downstairs. Reggie has found his shirt. And he goes, sup, Sheriff? <laughs> like, he's being a little too mimey. He's way too forced to chill. Yeah, it's great. And Sheriff, he's looking for a payoff, a well, shakedown. And also, he looks in the boxes. Yes. And there's a long linger at him looking at what are napkins, clearly knowing what was supposed to be inside of them. And when he doesn't find it, you can see the disappointment on his face. Yeah. He says, you can make a donation to his underfunded sheriff's department in cash, and he'll come back to collect after the opening event. And as he walks out, Reggie salutes him like a big, (laughs) big dork. And so he's gone, and Veronica is just very exasperated, and it's just like, this is ridiculous. You can bet that those were a present from Penny Peabody, and she's just like, this is ridiculous. Reggie just goes, is it a coincidence that they both work for your dad? Like, yeah, of course not, and my dad's trying to bait me into some confrontation, but I'm not going there, at least not until I'm properly armed, which is smart. She knows who she's playing with. We go over to the peer support group, and Betty goes into an empty room. Hello? Cut. Petty. Ah! Evelyn, you <laughs> snuck up on me. <laughs> I love the way they've cut that to make it look like she's this creepy person. Like, she is creepy. But I love how they're heightening that with the way they're filming it and then the music. It's great. <laughs> what are you doing here? And, you know, they go back and forth. Apparently, the farm hasn't caught on yet. Betty starts asking about, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you about Ethel Mug. She said you were helping her with her seizures. And Evelyn, she has this almost clipped way of talking, which I really like. She's trying to. Yeah, uh, with my dad's teachings, we just have to get her off that darn medication. You're not taking any, are you? <laughs> and, and Betty's like, no, but I'm still having convulsions. What? How often are they happening? Betty lies and says once or twice daily, I was hoping your dad could help. And Evelyn's like, I was hoping you would say that. Creepy. Creepy, creepy. All right, so we go to the prison. Archie gets told not to make a sound, and they put the hood on him, and they go back to the pit. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. And it's time to fight. 
and we get this very okay. I have to, I have to say this before we get into each one, but the fight scenes are filmed so well. It's all blood sport. It feels so blood sport, but I that's such a compliment because mm-hmm. it's just the right amount of slow mo. And just the right amount. Like, it's just so well balanced. I really loved it. So Archie gets his first fight. He hits guy right in the kidney and then knocks him out. And the, With a strong-ass uppercut. Yeah, it's great. And it looks, it looks awesome. So props to everybody who made that happen. The warden is clapping, but he's disapproving. Because it happened so fast. Yes, it did. So we cut back to prison, Archie, and his hands are kind of shaking. Because, you know, they hurt. And guard comes up and says, Andrews, winners get perks. Any special requests for lunch? And Archie's kind of like, have you heard about a place called Pops? Which is sweet and cute. And then we see him walking into the prison gym and he's got the bag and he's shaking it at all the guys. He starts throwing burgers to them. So, you know, he's sharing the spoils. To the winner goes the spoils. Yeah. Baby teeth. This is like, that's a wicked uppercut you got there. But what did the warden have to say about ending the fight so quick? And Archie's like, what do you mean? Oh, big dumb Archie. Big dumb Archie. Cut on over to the serpent lair, and Tony is taking pictures of Cheryl. And Cheryl is sitting on Jughead's Barker Lounger throne, which is kind of adorable. And Veronica is just like, Serpets, have either of you seen Jughead? I have a problem that has his name scribbled all over it. You mean True Detective? (laughs) He's busy canoodling Nancy Drew, no doubt. I love it. It's just so cute. They reference two of the best things that are happening in this show. So they say, what do you what do you need help with? Penny Peabody paid me a visit. That Viper bitch showed her face on the north side. Love it, Cheryl. Cheryl's gone full in like serpent lady. To be fair, what else does she have to go full in? I understand. Like if she's, she's gonna go full on. She's she emancipated well herself on. from her parents. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Roll with your crew. So Veronica explains to them what's happening, and Tony's like, oh, so you need blackmail. Antoinette Topaz, you <laughs> read my mind. <laughs> And so they talk about how they know that the ghoulies have set up shop in the White Worm. Sweet Pea and Fangs think it's a Jingle Jangle lab. And Tony used to bartend there, so she knows all the ways in and out. So then we get the sequence of the girls breaking into the White Worm, wearing the dumbest outfits ever. But they are playing the Jingle Jangle song by the Archies. Perfect. It's fucking great. I just knew it was kind of a peppy 60s song. Yeah. And I didn't think anything about it until i watched it this time i was like is this the archies this is the archies yeah uh, okay yeah <laughs> uh. yeah and all the workers in the lab are wearing blue hazmat suits a la breaking bad so this is their breaking bad lab so they get a bunch of pictures and they leave we go over to the creepy bunker and princess ethelene is there wearing a crown and a veil and pearls and their candles everywhere. Okay, but the dark tree crown is kind of fucking cool. It, oh, the crown is cool. It's like just the right amount of girly and creepy. Uh-huh. Like it's they they did that very well. Welcome to your first game. Your entry point to the realm of griffins and gargoyles, the magical kingdom of Eldervair. Okay, so that may come back to play. Eldervair. Edgar Emery, Elder Vare. We need to keep that. Yeah, we got to keep that in the back of our head. Well, and I'm reminded of True Detective, the Yellow King, and the Land of Carcosa. Okay. So I'm I'm just keeping that in mind as a thing that may come back. Okay, that's cool. We're gonna put a pin on that on our murder board. Okay. <laughs> first things first. Do you want to be the Radiant Knight, Arcane Invoker, or the Hellcaster? And Jack is like, I don't give a fuck. Hellcaster. 
find out that was Ben's avatar. I was supposed to ascend with him, but then he betrayed me and finished the game with Dilton instead. And Jughead's just like, yeah, leaving you high and dry. Like, Jughead's trying to provoke her, but also, like, get to the point. Yeah. And Essel's just like, doesn't matter. Pick a quest card and let's get started. Head over to the Cooper house for a coven meeting. A uh, cult. Cult coven. Potato, potato. We, okay, so we find out that this is supposed to be Betty's first testimony. I was like, what? A testimony? It's just a conversation, an open, non-judgmental conversation about all the bad things you've done in your life. <laughs> what do you want to know? And so then we find out that Alice has shared everything with them. Disposing but... of that dead body in the kitchen? What? You told them about Chicken the Shady Man? Are you out of your mind? Oh, everything we talk about at the farm is kept in confidence. That's a load of bullshit. And then Evelyn says... We know about everything. We share each other's secrets. We know the wig, the webcamming, and Bet- that Betty just snaps. She's not cool with that. Why don't we talk about why you were there at my seizure and Ethel's and about what's going on with the farm. And now everyone's playing this crazy game. And that perks Alice right up. What are you talking about? Griffins, gargoyles, it's the thing that made Ben and Dilton kill themselves. And Evelyn points out, we only started hearing about that game from your mother. Now, I believe this. Yes. Here is my theory. Yeah. It's a little wild. Okay. I think the farm and the gargoyle king are enemies. I don't think Edgar ever never is the gargoyle king. Okay. I think these are two forces that are going to be fighting against each other through the town of Riverdale. Hmm. I think we're going to get a turn here with the farm. Where they are creepy, and it's bad, but they might be the only thing that can save these people from the Gargoyle King. I'm pondering. Because Evelyn is there, but I'm wondering if Evelyn is watching as a... She's like a spy. She's a spy. Hmm. Yeah. An envoy, if you will. I need to know more about the farm. Right. I need us to actually meet Edgar. But I feel like that's the smarter turn here. Because they they keep leaning into the farm so hard as being creepy. But well, we, we, we now know that the epidemic that's taking over the town is griffins and gargoyles. Correct. We know that with this gargoyle king. But it doesn't appear that they're intersecting on the same line. They appear to be going on separate tracks. And I, that makes me think they're going to clash at some point. I could see that the farm came out of an actual coven worshiping the gargoyle king and then something bad happened and the farm is now the offshoot that's trying to fight that like they're former worshipers of the gargoyle king yeah that's kind of how it started and then it's been diluted since there's been less playing over the years Who knows? something like i could see that happening that'd be kind of interesting that'd be a cool turn but anyways betty's freaking out evelyn's like it's not about your mother's past what and all of a sudden Alice is like, you know what, Evelyn, you're right. It's too soon for Betty. She's not ready. And Betty starts to swoon. Again. She starts swooning like, no. And Betty's just like, don't touch me. And Betty's able to make it out of the room fine. But barely. We go back to the bunker. All right, we're playing this game. Okay, you've crossed the old footbridge and find two doors. One's gold, one's wood. Pick a door. Jughead says, number two. Well picked, Caster. You enter a secret chamber. A circle of griffin bones. There's two chalices sit before you. Oh, huh. And Ethel, you know, she removes her GM cover, which is in front of whatever she's reading for the game. Yep. And there's the two chalices. And Jack is like, no, 
no, we're not doing this. Prove your worthiness. Pick a goblet. <sighs> I was like, you you want me to put po- like, did you poison these with fresh AIDS? It's gargoyle blood, as you well know. Yeah. So she, and then she's like, flip for your fate. Jacob's like, if I do this, you promise to give me the scripture. As he is my witness. All right. So he flips it. It's a griffin. He gets the cup and he just goes, salute. And he downs it. And Jack is just like, all right. He's got the blue mouth. How do you feel? Okay, I think. And she's just like, kind of like him and goes, hey, rule book, come on. <laughs> so she gets up. She holds it. She, you have to kiss me first. My God, Ethel, are you serious? I love how incredulous he is to this. He knows this is creepy as fuck. And he's like, just get me the fuck out of here. Something has happened with Cole Sprouse and the writing where they have found this vein for him to operate in. He kisses her. It's like, whatever. He gets the book. Is this the only one you have? That I'm aware of. All right. Oh, man, there's characters in here. Betty's going to lose her mind over this. And then he sees, Ethel, what are you doing? She's taking the other chalice and she's downed it and he's just like oh my god and we gotta go he starts calling 911 Ethel you sad dumb girl she's just sad she's a sad person no she's not I mean she's corrupt but they've just this is the one thing I hate about Ethel is that she's the big girl who's just sad and pathetic and they've played that up over and over and over again and now she's the dumb big girl who falls for a guy within an RPG game. It's just a wheelhouse that I'm really, and a trope that I'm sick of seeing over and over again. Especially since Shannon Purser is so much better than that as an actress. She deserves, she deserves to have a really cool role. I think she does have a cool role. I just don't think we've gotten the full reveal yet. My idea was so much better for her. Oh, I agree, but I'm gonna give it a little bit because if they stick with this, she becomes really fucking cool. They could redeem her in a really good way, but I'm not happy about what's happening. To I understand. Ethel Barb. The setup is not great. Ethel Barb's horrible. But right I like now. where they may be headed with her. Anyway, Jughead's basically reading his Necronomicon. Yep, they're in the hospital. We kind of see some of the pictures inside. Ethel wakes up. What happened? You ingested poison, but they got the antidote, and soon you'll be fine. She tries to get up, but her arms are shackled to the bed. And Jack is like, it's protocol for someone who tried to commit suicide. I didn't try to You commit- did. And when your parents get here, you have to be honest with them. I can't. I'll never tell. I say you- I'll say you mix the fresh aid instead. Jack is like, it's over. Whatever you're playing at is over. And so he's gotten up and he's put his hand on the railing of the bed. And Ethel just gets that like serene smile of just like, no, it's only just the beginning. You've proven yourself, Hellcaster. I told him. And she's trying to, like, stroke his hand. You're worthy enough to spread his gospel. And Jughead's like, who? Don't be dumb. The king, of course. And Jughead is just like, the king isn't going to hurt anyone. I'm going to make sure this doesn't end up in someone else's hands. She's just smiling. She's just like, thank you, Hellcaster, for helping me finish my game. Yeah. Ew. No. This is perfect for the weird angle. Look. No, I... I no, I get that. No, I'm fine. I'm like no, and that this is creepy as fuck. No, stop being crazy. Yeah, I know. That's, that's why I'm saying no. That's what I think is cool about what they did with Ethel here. The problem is the setup and the and the sadness of the character. Yeah. But this turn right here is what redeems it for me. And if they keep this through line and keep her around in this sort of state, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Because that's perfect to anchor the weirdness to Ethel. Yeah. Being the acolyte of the Gargoyle King. 
Yeah. But they have to keep her around. They can't kill her off. Oh, no. I get that. No, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's good. We go over to the Pembroke and we're in Hiram's study. Veronica shows him the pictures. If you don't get your lackeys to back off, I'm going to send these to the authorities faster than you can say Heisenberg. Nice, lovely Breaking Bad reference. I don't think Mineta's going to be very moved by these. I won't go to Mineta. I'm going to go to the FBI. Oh, and I want $10,000 a week in perpetuity. I'm shaking you down, Daddy. Bye. And Hiram smiles like a proud dad. He's kind of almost like, well, my daughter's not the stupidest one. (laughs) Like, she's learned some things. (laughs) Like, okay. I love that in his twisted way, he's very proud and happy for her. Yeah, it's like when the son murders the father in a creative way. You're just like... Good job, boy. <laughs> it's it's that thing. We go over to the prison in the warden's office, and the warden's being creepy as fuck. And he basically just tells Archie, I want a show because we have to satisfy everyone's bloodlust, and it needs to last five or six rounds at least. Do you understood? Archie says, yes, sir. And he gets the double pat on the arm. So then we get to probably my favorite scene of this whole episode. And I was shocked and surprised at how well this went. Uh-huh. Because this could have been really shitty, really easily because we don't trust Riverdale. Nope. Archie's in his cell and he's talking. He's talking to someone and he's just, he says, I thought being here, I'd pay for everything I did, but what the warden wants me to do, it's become so much worse. And then we see Fred sitting in the other bed and he says that when he was little, I used to get calls from your school telling me that you'd been in a fight, usually protecting someone. And Archie interrupts like the warden wants six rounds. Dad, he wants blood and there's nothing I can do. And Fred continues, your seventh grade teacher told me one thing's for sure. By the time Archie gets out of junior high school, he's going to know how to throw a punch and how to take one. There's more than one way of putting on a show for the warden. Figure it out, son. And then we realize that we kind of figured this, but Archie's talking to himself. Yep. But it is so great. Uh Uh-huh. It's beautiful. We We get that Fred Archie thing. We get this little nugget of a story about Archie, which totally is the Archie we know. He keeps getting into fights because he's sticking up from somebody. He knows how to throw a punch. He knows how to take a punch. This was so well done. I love it. I big puffy heart it. I missed the last part of it because I thought, oh, I guess he just got to meet with his dad because he gets perks. And I didn't catch the last part where you see it's an empty cell. Yeah, where it's just Archie talking to himself. But yeah. He's talking to his dad. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. So good. We go over to the Cooper house. We're in Betty's room. She's getting ready to go to the speakeasy. And Alice is confronting her about, you never had any intention of working with the farm, did you? You just wanted to meet Edgar so you could attack him. You do realize that when you share your darkest secrets with people, you're implicating me and FP and Jughead. And Alice just says, you know, you they would never use my testimony against me. What do you know about griffins and gargoyles? Flat out, just finally just, just confronts just says her. It. And she asks, what did you tell them about the farm? And Alice just says, we can't let ourselves be strangled by our past. And Betty's just like, you're just going to trust them, but not me, not your own daughter. And as Alice is leaving the room, she says, I trust them more than you, Betty. Fuck. I mean, that's where she's at. I get that, but fuck, that's not good. Not good at all. So it's time for the speakeasy opening. And we got valet parking and Cheryl and Tony arrive in a car. Cheryl throws the keys. They walk right in. Reggie comes up and meets them. Hello, ladies. And they he escorts them down. Like, this is very schmoozy, but I like it. It's fun. It's and then I caught Moose and the other RROTC guys 
in I, their hats. I didn't see the other guys. I only saw Moose, but Moose is in his ROTC uniform. His well, full somebody uniform. Somebody else is somebody else is coming in. I think it's when Betty and Jughead come in, and two guys have their okay. their hats on. That wouldn't surprise me, but it's those guys, and that's cool. And so it, they're in they're in dress uniform. I love the the fifties vibe. It's great. It's a fifties vibe with two thousand. 18 suits. No, that's cool. It's adorable. Tony and Cheryl come in and congratulate Veronica. It looks amazing. Cheryl takes a picture and writes boss lady on it, which makes me want to barf. So, blech. On the other hand, it's very them. It is. It's on brand for the show, so I'm fine with it. Yeah. Jughead and Betty enter, and Jughead's explaining how he's hidden the manual. It's like a gold mine, and I'll have to show it to you later tonight. You know, is Ethel going to be okay? Yeah, but she's going to need some deprogramming. So will my mom. Yeah. Betty tells Jughead that she knows our parents know something about this. And, oh, you still have fresh aid on your lips. Reggie's looking out. He's he's the muscle bodyguard dude. Uh And I love it. It's great. It's a great place for his character. Also, he has Madras pants on and they (sighs) look awesome on him. His whole outfit is great because you get that mobster vibe with it still being appropriate for his character and his age and this time. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it's just the right balance. They costume designed the shit out of this scene and it's great. This episode was done very well costuming. I'm I'm glad they didn't go too far in giving him a gold chain. That would have been too far. (laughs) It's perfect. Perfect, perfect. Loved it. Reggie comes and gets Veronica. We got a problem topside. They go upstairs. And Hiram's there with his portrait of Veronica from his study. And Hiram has a hat. He has his mobster hat. That's that's definitely what that is. And he says he's just here to compliment her success. And Veronica's like, okay, you can come see. I want you to see this legitimate business. So they go downstairs, and he's sitting at a table. He's being served, and Veronica tells Reggie to keep an eye on him. There is, at one level, he's scoping out the competition. He wants to see what the operation looks like. But in his eyes, too, you can totally tell there is the dad part of him that's loving, watching her being successful. Yes. It's really interesting, and Mm -hmm. it's an interesting moment for Mark and Suelos. We come back, and we get Kevin, ladies and gentlemen. And it's time for Josie to sing. And when Josie comes out, he's like, I'm obsessed with that gown. <laughs> Josie starts singing any, a version of Anything Goes. This cover is awesome. It's beautiful. I don't really love the dancers behind her, but I love the song. Ashley Murray is amazing. I'm sad that we don't have the Pussycats, but she she is the star. The like, arrangement on this, too, is phenomenal especially how they cut it with the fight scene with archie and i was gonna say you know one of the things we complained about with the pep rally last episode and the fight was that it should have been a real pep rally at the school cut with the football football game game at the prison they fucked that up but they did it here and it works really well oh yeah the fight's great archie's telling the other guy come on hit me make me bleed come on we got to give him a show so So archie Archie starts taking punches punches takes the punches he punches back but he's making sure that guy lands some punches he knows that at the end of this fight he's gonna knock the guy out yeah but he doesn't want to hurt him that bad he just wants to knock him flat at the end so he's going to take yeah as many punches as he can and all of the blood is gonna be his He's not going to torture this guy, yeah. which is what the warden wants him to do. Yeah, he wants to just pound on him, but Archie also knows how to take him out in one shot. So yeah, like, so there's a balance he, here that has to be struck. So he's playing the game. But Ar- yeah, Archie does a great job. At the end, he finally punches him out, 
and she's just looking at the warden when he's done, and the warden just goes, that kid is a star. That's creepy as fuck. Yeah, but I want Archie to start a boxing league once he gets out. That'd be okay. <laughs> he's back in his cell, and it's filled with stuff, and he's like, what is all this? These are Mad Dog's hand-me-downs, because you're a new champ. And then the warden shows up, and he's just like, a token of our appreciation for your performance, and it's a bottle of rum, and it's Lodge, so it's, it's the Hiram brand. And I thought, oh, that's the same rum he drank with Hiram, but I may, I think I'm wrong about that. I thought it was, but it is the Hiram's rum, because it's Lodge. I mean, regardless. Yeah, that's the point they're making. He flashes back to seeing Hiram in the gym and... Being the reason he's in there. And it flips his shit. The warden leaves and Archie throws the bottle of rum through the bars. And then he starts trashing his cell. And this is where we get mad red. And then he collapses on the floor and he pulls up a book. And it's the Count of Monte Cristo. And he opens it. And there's a rock hammer that has been hidden in the book. Uh, A la uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Which I also uh, do like the Count of Monte Cristo. That being the book, it's cute. Because that book is amazing, and the movie's really good, too. But the No, sh- it is not. I will fight you until the end of time really at how like horrible that movie was. I really like that movie. It is the worst adaptation of that book ever. You take it back now. No. <laughs> oh, no. boy. Oh, no. We're going to have a fight about this later. That's a different podcast. <laughs> All right, we go over to the trailer. <laughs> David is mad at me. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, so we go back to the trailer, and it's all torn up. And Jughead and Betty are like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? And FP and where the hell did you get this? Have you been playing the game? And Boy, so- I can still see the blue on your lips. So <laughs> they found the manual. Like, how did you get this? What What are you doing? And so basically, they're all yelling at each other. This game is evil. They go outside to burn it. No, don't. It's the only w- This is how we end this now. And they're like, this is the only way we're going to figure out how to help Dilton in bed. And they burn the book and everyone's sad. I mean, Betty's watching this from afar just being like, fine, I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> but Jughead. Jughead's pissed. And Alice and FP are like, Hoomph. We're going to tell them what's up because we're the parents. It's a little bit that, but it. I think, honestly, it's just, look, you guys have no fucking clue how bad this is. Yeah. Believe us when we tell you you are better off for burning this shit. So we go over to the Pembroke. Hiram goes into Veronica's room. Veronica's getting... She's winding down from the yeah. night. And Hiram is just there. Congratulate her. Left early. I had business to attend to. Yeah, sure. I guess you've already moved the lab out of the white worm. And Hiram's just like, what lab? (laughs) And I like she has this sort of concerned look and then kind of a smirk. And it's just like, yeah, it's going to be a cat and mouse, Veronica. It's like, we know how to play this game. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. We go back to the prison gym and Archie comes in and they're like, what? No burgers? I was expecting (laughs) steaks and lobsters. And Archie... White savoring the bullshit. I found something in my cell. A small rock hammer Mad Dog kept hidden in a book. I think he kept it as a reminder that no matter what happens in here, there's still a world outside that's worth getting back to. Oh, shut the fuck up. So Baby T says, the only way we're getting out of here is in a body bag. Not me. None of you either. We're escaping. Somehow, we're going to get the hell out of here. And Joaquin is bruised and beat the shit He's got his arm in a sling and he's like, count me in. I love that we're keeping Joaquin. So I really hope they all get out of prison through appropriate means, not escaping. 
Because that's stupid. No, they're going to escape. I know. We've seen the titles for the episodes for the rest of this mid-season. Blah. Anyways, I like the idea that Kevin and Moose finally, like, situate their relationship. Then Joaquin comes out and wants to be with Kevin. Now Kevin's like, fuck, I got options. <laughs> we go back to Bunker for some sex. And Jaghead is talking about it. He's like, maybe this is for the best. When I was reading it, it felt like I was reading Evil. Yellow King reference? Thank you. Yes. And they, they just kind of go back and forth. Like, you know, they freaked out about it. Maybe it's just time for it to be over. Our parents have played that game. Uh-huh. Betty's, Betty's not ready to let this go yet. Of course not, because she's Betty Drew. It doesn't pass her smell test. No. So we head over back to the hospital, and we have Ethel, who's seemingly sitting up in her bed. She doesn't have her shackles on anymore. And she's talking to someone. I did it. I did what you asked. I spread your gospel. And then we cut to Jughead and his narration. And he's walking through school and everyone's got the manual. And he goes over to Cheryl. Like, Where'd you get that? She goes, um, excuse you. <laughs> it was in my locker, just like everyone else. And Jughead's narration is just like, either way, by the next weekend, almost every student at Riverdale High would be playing Griffins and Gargoyles. And the real game was just beginning. And then we cut back to Ethel. We, we just get a look right at her face. Soon they'll join us. All of them, my king. And she starts bowing and appearing to be praying. We get this overhead shot, which is beautiful. Of the curtains are drawn around her. And then we get, from her perspective, she is seeing the Gargoyle King. And we get to see our first full view of what the Gargoyle King looks like. And he's just kind of like raises his arm and kind of bows his head a little bit. And you're just like, well, fuck! Riverdale! Hot damn, this show's weird. I love it. Oh, I'm all in. I'm uh, I'm I'm enjoying the fuck the only thing I'm not enjoying is prison. For appropriate and obvious reasons. They pulled it back around a little bit for it me. got a little th- they did the fights really well. The only problem I had with his prison moments in this episode was that monologue. If he Oh yeah. But if he just hadn't given the monologue If he like, had just said, I found this in my room, we're, we're escaping. escaping. Like we're gonna figure out how to get out of here. Because there's a world out there that's worth it. But even that, they could have given Archie his Archie line, but simplified it. They just talk too much. I know. They, There's it's too okay. much talking. It's okay. Everything else was much better with the fighting and the motivations around it. I mean, it's ridiculous, but they grounded it in Archie's character, I feel like, really well. Yeah. And then, like I said, I'm cool with Ethel if she stays this way throughout the rest of the season. And they don't immediately kill her off. But they've got to They can't kill her off at this point. Especially since they got rid of Dilton. They need to keep Ethel and Moose. And they need to at least eventually... I think by the end of the season, they they should probably bump her up to regular. No, I think they could could wind up eventually killing Ethel, but in a moment of redemption. Because she's not a series... So long as she gets a hero's death. I think so. I think that's how that goes. Because she's not a series regular. And I feel like... Josie and Reggie are going to be the ones who get the most play out of that. But regardless, I love that turn they made with her. I love the weird Gargoyle King worshiper thing. Yeah. Because you need one of them out there. You can't kill everybody off. Yeah. And you need somebody to lead that cult. And if Ethel's going to lead that cult, oh, oh, oh man. But uh, we got to go watch the next time on because our next episode is a big fucking deal. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it here too much. 
because we don't want to get too spoilery. And so as usual, we're going to do our little spiel. You'll hear music. And then after the music, we're going to have just watched the next time on preview. We're going to talk about our reactions to that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places. And remember, if you want our instant takes about every episode, you can join our Patreon and get our doghouse drive through Beep, beep. As well as all of our other exclusive content. Hear you after the music. Oh, man. I'm so excited. I was very against the children playing the adults, but now I love it. I love, love, love it. Uh, I'm for it, and I've been for it because they're all such good actors that I think they could pull it off. We have said this from the very beginning of the series. Their casting of the children against the adults has been perfect. Yeah. They cast children who look so much like those adults and match them pretty well with their acting ability. I'm so excited. I love that we get to see KJ with his like more normal hair color, which is kind of <laughs> funny because KJ's hair is actually blackish. And with that way more serious Fred look. Yeah, I wish they could have given him higher hair like Luke Perry had back in the 90s. <laughs> that would have been great. Can but. we talk about Lily Reinhardt leathered out because it's, it's the great. best? It's so fun because it's Serpent Alice. Alice Smith. Hermione Gomez. And I love we see the... Uh, this is also a great way to play out some of the love triangle shit that they're not doing in the teenagers with the adults. Because we see Fred and Alice embracing. Uh -huh. We see FP and Hermione like looking at each other. But then we later see King FP with Alice. Because uh -huh. they're in costumes of some sort. I know that the guy who played Jason Blossom is coming back to play Hal. Oh, nicely done. Yeah, so that's great. And Cheryl then, with her nerdy glasses is Penelope. Uh, Penelope. And Mark Consuelos and Kelly Ripa's son is playing young Hiram. Love it. It's great. It's great. It's so I'm I am all in for that. This looks like it's gonna be fun. I also love that the reason we're getting this flashback is that Alice is telling Betty what happened. Because it needs to happen. It needs to happen. And I've been predicting this episode. Since the beginning of season two. I'm so happy I finally get it. It looks it looks like it's going to be fun. And Anthony Michael Hall. Uh-huh. Anthony Michael Dining Hall. I'm so excited he's going to play the principal. It's a great little button. Welcome to detention. So great. Even if it's a train wreck, it's still going to be super fun. It, it, oh, yeah. It'll be a fun train wreck. <laughs> I wonder who Reggie's playing. I don't know. But I like how they gave him like the big hair <laughs> and the glasses. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. I hope it's as great as we think. And I hope we get some serious answers. I hope we move the story along more. This shouldn't just be an episode that we don't get any information out of. I don't think it'll happen until like the last five minutes where we find out about the G&G &G stuff. Because it's mostly going to be the relationships. But I, we have to figure something out because we can't move the story forward unless we get that. True. Until next time. Hashtag Good Bulldogs. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.